Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome. The next on the tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by TaylorMade Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Pride, Zexio, Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, making the game more fun. Bionic Gloves and the McLemore Club. Experience life above the clouds. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for tuning in to Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. And folks, tonight's lineup is something special. I've got one of the all-time great broadcasters and people on the planet, for that matter, leading off the show, followed by a lady who is in more Hall of Fames than you can shake a stick at and is annually among Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors. And my third guest has founded a company that can help us add eight yards of distance to our drives, and you don't have to buy a new driver or change your golf balls to do it. But before we get to them, I want to say how excited I am this season, folks, to be partnering with the LPGA Legends Tour. Their commissioner, Jane Geddes, has become a wonderful friend. So we'll be bringing you their players from their tour throughout the season, starting with Jane, who will join me in a couple of weeks. I also want to remind you about our friends over at the McLemore, which is a wonderful community resort and golf course, just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. And folks, please go online to themclemore.com to check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities that they have available to you up there. Because you really, you, you got to see it to believe it. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. Our friend in PGA Tour, Caddy Kip Henley, he said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed with him, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why all of them are saying those wonderful things by checking out the course and the resort online at themacklemore.com. All right, on to tonight's show, and my first guest is going to be Damon Hack. Damon, as you know, is the co-host of the Golf Channel's Golf Today show. He is also a student of our good friend and resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. So uh, looking forward to talking to Damon about what he and TP are working on. I also talked to Damon about his thoughts on Rory McIlroy and a resurgent Jordan Spieth. We'll talk about truth in broadcasting, and I don't mean they're lying to us. I mean, when Damon stands up, is he wearing shorts and sneakers with that dress shirt and blazer? We'll find out. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from one of the top instructors on the planet, and that is Nancy Corsolino. Like I said earlier, Nancy is in more Hall of Fames than you can shake a stick at. She was the 2000 LPGA National Teacher of the Year and is annually among Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors. So we'll talk about you know her career in the game. Plus, we'll also get some playing lessons for how we can hit it straighter, hit it longer, and chip it closer. 
Looking forward to having Nancy as part of the show. She'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a visit from the founder of Squares Golf, Bob Winskowitz. Before Bob started Squares Golf, he worked for Arnold Palmer, leading his equipment company. We'll hear some of his favorite stories from working for Mr. Palmer. We'll also talk about how to build a better swing from the ground up and how square shoes allow us to have better balance, better stability, which can lead to eight more yards of distance. Really looking forward to having Bob on the show. He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and their TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand? Flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than all of the rest, and that's the new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern to decrease drag and increase lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter what the shot is. So whether you need to hit it over the trees, under, or even through the trees, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now back with me here on Next on the T is Golf Channel's Golf Today Show co-host Damon Hack. Let me remind you about Damon's background. He's from L.A., he graduated from UCLA with his undergraduate degree and UC Berkeley with his master's degree in journalism. Started out covering the San Francisco 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. In 2000, he moved over to Newsday covering the New York Knicks and golf. 2002, he joined the New York Times covering golf and the NFL. In 2007, he joined Sports Illustrated covering golf and the NFL for them. And then he joined the Golf Channel in 2012. We got to spend some time with Damon back in July. It was a, a lot of fun, and I'm really excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Damon, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, great to hear your voice. How are you? I'm fantastic, Damon. Tell us how, how you're doing. I'm doing great. You know, we moved up to Connecticut last week. Spoke. I was still living in Orlando. Golf Channel relocated to Stanford, so I'm back in a place. And you mentioned my resume and course, was at Newsday in the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, living in New York, met my wife in New York, my boys were born in New York, so here we are back in the Northeast and digging out of the snow, we the mid-60s this week, and I've pulled out my club and got to hit some shots in anger, so uh, we're seeing some springtime <laughs> temperatures here in Connecticut. <laughs> ah, good for you, my friend. And David, I saw the picture that our friend Tom Patrick posted uh, of you heading his way. Talk about why you're going to see our good friend TP. Yeah, you know, kind of a it's a multi faceted trip. I'm going to speak to his great at Crown Colony in Fort Myers, where he teaches now, and he's got such great ties to that part of, of Florida and Naples. And uh, he's invited me to address the, the membership there. We'll do a little Q and A stories, and then I'm hoping to play a little golf as well with TP. He's got the Florida Senior open coming up so he's going to play some golf and then we're promised me nine holes and whenever we play together he's always looking at my swing and, and especially my short game and kind of seeing where things are and you know having not played for four months because it's been cold up here as you know and we're just uh, starting our season i'm sure he'll have some thoughts to help carry me through the spring and the summer but 
as you know, TP, one of the best to ever, has a great eye, has been very helpful and very patient uh, with my middling game. <laughs> Is that right? Patient in Tom Patrick. I, that, there's a there's a couple of things I never thought I'd see in the same sentence. <laughs> well, he's kept Good me for around. you if you can save the TP. <laughs> he's kept me around, and he hasn't, uh, hasn't dropped me yet. But I tell you what, he does send a lot of text messages. He's all about putting in the time, putting in the hard work, and this is a game that you get out of it what you put into it. That's definitely how TP lives. That's how he teaches and. Uh, there are no shortcuts to, to, to playing good golf, and, and that's how he kind of teaches. That's his creed. That's his motto. And he'll send me messages from time to time. You know, he probably just hit about a thousand chips today. He probably just have about you know five hundred full swings today. So uh, it's a mix of uh, patience and tough love as well. <laughs> Indeed, short game, short game, short game. He has pounded that into my head for the last several years. That's how you score. Uh, there's no other way around. That's right. Pitching. Chipping, bunker play, putting, and the man, I've played a lot of golf with TP, and he he, uh, he knows of where he speaks. He's got a sublime short game, uh, still has a great putting stroke, and, and I love spending time with him. And, and you can see uh, the DNA. Uh, the guy has uh, just uh, the game in his in his genes, in his blood, in his soul. Loves playing, but he loves even more and having get better. Absolutely. I love him. Okay, and one of the other, one of the other things that I love are the pictures that you've been posting out on Instagram, particularly you standing on the 17th tee at the, at TPC Sawgrass. So I got to ask you, not only covering the tournament, did you get to play? So I got to play in the area. Atlantic Country Club is a fantastic gym, about 15, 20 minutes from TPC Sawgrass. Uh, it's hosted the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. I got out there twice and played nine holes times. Played a great public course called Windsor Park, where annually when I time I actually got to play the full 18. Just a, a good public meeting, a lot of devotees who love the game. So yeah, I got in 36 holes myself while covering the best players in the world, and I didn't get to play TPC Sawgrass this time. I have played it, lost a couple of sleeves, as you could imagine, maybe even more. But man. It was so nice to be back to the venue where a year ago, you know, golf came to a halt, as so much of the sports world did. So kudos to the tour for kind of leading sports back in this COVID era, and hopefully we're getting toward the end of this pandemic, and it's neat to see, you know, the, the golfers and the fans and people still, you know, adhering to the protocols, social distancing and wearing masks. But, man, it, it was nice to hear some birdie and eagle roars around in the Players' Championship. And, David, you've got a lot of wonderful pictures on your Instagram page, and uh, I want to talk about a few of them. Um, but one that, I'm, one that I'm most interested in is what, what I call the potential big lie in broadcasting, because we see a picture of you, what looks like you're broadcasting from your home at the time, I'm sure during COVID, but you got the blazer on, you got the dress shirt on, and then you got the, sh- the shorts and the sandals. Is that was is that is that pretty standard? Is that what we, what we would see if you stood up when you're on the on set? I can promise you that that is not standard. That was a a one off, and I thought it'd make for a good photo. And at that time, when we were doing broadcasting from our home, you know, you could kind of dress how you wanted to from the waist down. And I was supposed to throw on some shorts, but I can promise you, when I'm operating out of the Stanford, Connecticut facility, 
Both Jane Bacon and I are fully clothed, head to toe, <laughs> top to bottom, uh, you know, following all protocols and, and doing it the right way. But that photo, Chris, got a lot of laughs and a lot of run. Uh, people had a good time with it. And you know what? We were trying to find early in this pandemic, and I thought the photo would put a smile on some folks' faces. And you did. The other picture that I love is the one with you uh, and your three boys, and you've got a few of them on your page. Talk about being a dad that they can see on TV, plus it looks like your boys are getting involved in the game. Is this something that uh, that they are really picking up and they're interested in, and to be a game uh, for a lifetime for them, too? To be able to go to places went to the Scottish Open with me pre-COVID, and it's just wonderful to be able to, like, Rory McIlroy and wave, you know, with my boys, and Rory was walking down the fairway, and I took a picture with Jason Day, one of my boys, Reese loves Jason Day, and uh, I was covering Jason at Bay Hill, a couple Bay Hills ago, and, and I said, Jason, you know, I know you're chipping and putting, my, my middle son is a huge fan, do you mind if I take a photo with you. And, and I did, and, and I brought it home to, to my boy, and he just was, you know, he couldn't put two words together. He was thought it was so cool. So to be able to, to share this game, you know, that I cover and love with them, and they're, they're, they love to play it too, you know, and I love to play with them. And, and I play tennis with them. I swim with them. I play football, basketball, and now golf with them. We love getting the big four-seat club car, the big, uh, the big wide, long one that you can He's a, a big family in, and, and we've been able to do that a couple of times and, and to be able to share this game with them. And I tell them, like, I can play golf with you guys, hopefully for another 20, 30 years. I'm running out of time to play tennis with you. Basketball is going to come to an end and football as well, but golf is something we can play when, when dad is old and gray. So I, I try to explain that to them. That's why I, I want them to play. And, and I'd say of the three, I've got two devotees and one who's kind of on the fence, but you know, that's a, still a pretty good percentage of of, uh, of, of half-love of golfing in, in our home. Yeah, good for you and good for them. David, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on uh, on a few players, starting with Lee Westwood. We've seen uh, Lee in the final group on Sunday at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We saw it again at the players. He's been close, but it seems like he struggles a bit on Sundays. As we look ahead to the Masters and Augusta National, place where, you know, he's had a couple of second-place finishes there, five top tens. We know he's just a month shy of his 48th birthday. But could this be sort of Lee Westwood's best last chance to finally win a major? I think it is, Chris. I think that you're looking at a player who's rejuvenated in part because of his son's growing coming of age, in part because of his fiance Helen, who's been on the bag a big-time fitness person and who has kind of leaned on Lee to, to get back in the gym and get after it. And, and we've seen how fit he looks and how his length has really not deteriorated over the last couple of years and just how he's dedicated himself. And, Chris, I've covered Lee for a long time. I did a feature on him a decade ago for Sports Illustrated, and he told me he was looking for a quarter shot around, that that was the difference between winning major championships and not. It's really kind of, you know, delve down to the short game. And I think that that's been the part of his game that has been lacking compared to the Tigers and Phils and Ernie Els and VJ Singh and Retief Goosens and some of the players he's competed against over the last 20 or so years. And I think, you know, as we saw at the players and saw at Bay Hill, 
I actually think that he's putting better, putting a little more uh, freely. And, and it seems to me that it's not out of the question that someone who's in such great shape, someone who doesn't take the game as seriously as maybe he did when he was the number one player in the world, could possibly find lighting in a bottle. He played beautifully at Bay Hill, uh, standing astride Bryce DeChambeau, and played beautifully again at the players uh, opposite is the big behemoth that is Bryson. And I just thought that, you know, but for a bad, you know, kick here or there, you know, if, if Justin Thomas's tee shot on 18th had kicked left as we all thought it might, <laughs> yeah. Lee Westwood would have had the signature win of his great career. And this is someone who's represented Europe in the Ryder Cup with distinction, won 25 times on the European Tour, won several race to Dubai, the old order of merit. Uh, he's been a credit to, to the European Tour, a world player, uh, someone who I think has the rejuvenated body and love of the game in a different way that maybe by not wanting it so badly and not needing it, that maybe he'll be able to get it. You mentioned his record at the Masters. Uh, we know how good of a ball striker he is. He's contended in all four majors. So I think, you know, on the doorstep of the age of 48, he's one of those players because he's kept himself in shape, because he's looking at the game in a different way, because he'd like to win a major but doesn't need to win a major, I think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could ball strike his way with a solid, if not even great, but just a solid putting week and break through and win that major championship. Damon, we heard Jordan Spieth in his press conference this week talk about dealing with a, a bone chip in his hand and how he tried to play through it. He changed his grip a little bit to lessen the pain and, and perhaps purposely or, or unintended changes, you know, that he made to avoid the pain led to his slump. Do you think that's, that's what it was? And now that he's back to playing pain free, we've seen him play a whole lot better over the last couple of months. Is this something that he can build off of? And does he become a guy who could, you know, win again at Augusta? Oh, I think so. I think the, the, the hand injury was part of the story. Uh, Jordan in his, in his interviews has talked about getting a little bit tied up in swing video and before as the 2014, 2015 wonderkind who, you know, broke through and you know, won the deer and contended in the Masters and won the Masters. He was a field player and it had spent a lot of time looking at video. He too tried to get a little bit stronger, tried to kind of you know, add some, some, you know, quivers to the arrow and add some shots to the, to the already skill set that was among the best that we've seen in this generation and got a little bit tied up in swing theory. So I think it was a little bit of that. And he even admitted, you know, once you, you're trying to figure out how to do it when before you were just doing it, that can lead to, to different things. Yes. Getting up there and spending an inordinate, inordinate amount of time standing over the golf ball as opposed to just getting up there, seeing a target and swinging. So I think it's a combination of injury. I think it's a combination of some some bad swing habits that he even said, I'd made dozens of golf swings the wrong way. I had to make the golf swing to get out of the bad habits that had cropped up because of injury and because he'd been spending so much time looking at his swing. There, were, there was video of Jordan at the Masters. He would hit the golf shot, go to the camera. Hit the shot, go to the camera. Hit the shot, go to the camera that his caddy Michael Greller was holding or that his coach Cameron McCormick was holding. That, that's just not how you're going to play golf. 
I think Jordan is back to playing golf as opposed to golf swing. His short game has always been sublime. Uh, we're seeing the putt start to fall again, and he feels like he's eliminated one side of the golf course. So when you have the DNA of a champion, when you've won three majors, when you've been number one and you've won a FedEx Cup, my goodness, great to see kind of that that flair that he had when he burst onto the scene winning uh, a Masters at the age of 21. I don't think he's going to completely eliminate the scar tissue, but he has enough of the game and enough of the memories of how to win that I think he has to be on the short list of contenders to win a green jacket come April. David, you talk about skill set of the best, and we've heard Rory McIlroy talking about trying to add even more speed so he could catch up to Bryson DeChambeau and, and the distance that Bryson is generating it. And ever since he tried to do that, it seems like all of a sudden now he's starting to struggle. You know, this week we heard he's going back to, to see a swing coach that he saw many years ago in Pete Cowan. And damn it, I'm, I'm sure to stick, you know, shaking my head at Rory because he was already one of the longest drivers on tour. Maybe third so far this season in driving distance, but 142nd in driving accuracy. And it seems to me like he's chasing the wrong thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Chris, I was shocked. I was appreciative of Rory's honesty, but shocked that one of the two best drivers of the golf ball in the last 20 years, he and Dustin Johnson, he would be tempted in was doing to try to add distance to a, one of the best drivers of the golf ball that came into. I, I was appreciative of it, honestly, but, but really surprised that the way Bryson's body with that Rory would be kind of, you know, tempted and swayed and convinced to, to even think about his superpower. I, I was astounded. I, I, I think that the match with, with Pete Cowan will be a good one. Pete Cowan is known as, as one of the best to, to do it, has worked with the likes of Westwood, Henson, Al Brooks, here, on all parts of the team in the short game. I, I think that that Rory, who has known Pete Cowan since his boyhood days, uh, you know, GB and I, I think that, that the, the matchup is fine. But my goodness, when, when Rory talked wowed by what Bryson did winning a U.S. Open by six, sure, we were all wowed. But this is someone that Rory who went to Majors by eight at Congressional Kiowa 2011 12. And this is someone who hasn't been a major 2014 person. Love him in the fourth estate to cover him golf media, but I just was surprised that someone still said it's so good, it's so superior, especially with the drivers about trying to chase down Bryson. Rory already can hit it at 825, 330, uh, and it doesn't need an extra 10-15. Even if he thinks that that's where the game is going, if anything, Rory needs to spend more time on, on the short game on his particular and on the putting as he does with Brad Fax. But hopefully, it, and knowing that that's why he's dealing with this, something his driving statistics are in the 150s in terms of accuracy. He knew it was a mistake. And I think by matching with and hitting with Pete Cowan, hopefully that will lead him back to where we all feel he belongs. And, Damon, one thing that I think both Jordan and Rory, and you could probably even throw Lee Westwood into this mix, at least lately, is their struggles on Sundays. If you look at Rory, you go back to the U.S. Open last year, and he finished tied for eighth, but he shot 75 on Sunday. 
He was in the in the mix again at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, shot 76 on Sunday. Did the same thing last year at Bay Hill, shooting 76 on Sunday. And then you know, you look at a 78 in the final round last year at the Memorial. And Jordan and Lee Westwood, I, I feel like are sort of inflicted with the same sort of Sunday thing. Is it a mental thing at that point? Is it like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, wanting it too much? Why do you think they struggle so much in the final round? I do think it's mental. I think Royce had trouble on Sunday and also on Thursday trying to figure out how to approach these big moments, trying to figure out how do I open at my native Royal Port Rushing Island? How, how do I? So he, he, he hits his piece out of bounds on the Thursday and it, it is, you know, blows up on Thursday, has a great Friday, but doesn't make the cut. Uh, on Sundays, we know, obviously trying to figure out a way to complete the career at Augusta, and my goodness, what a what a tough ask just to win that golf tournament on its own, but to try to try to reach golf immortality at that place where we know oh, that Lee Trevino, Paul Weissgoff, Greg Norman was supposed to win there never did. And Rory has the skill set, hits the beautiful right to left shot that would play so well you would see in in a number of holes, uh in two and these par fives, they can take advantage of. And, and, and nine, the par four, you know, swinging around those trees. And he did a turn for you. Actually, back in 2011 when he had that four-shot lead going into the final round. I think he's trying to figure out how do I approach Sunday in general and how do I approach Sunday in specifically at Augusta National where he knows immortality and becoming the greatest European golfer of all time is at stake. Uh, he knows that he's right there, right behind the likes of Seve, uh, in terms of Moses with five, and Sir Nick Faldo has six, but he can have what, what neither of those two legends have, which is all four championships. He's thoughtful. He is, he is so humble for a great champion that I'm trying to figure out how do I kind of calibrate and hungry and approach this path. Hair kid coming from Northern Ireland. That's a big task. And it is an, an enviable task to try to complete a career grand slam at the place that has much history, good and bad. And as a historian of the game, Bruce McElroy knows that. Damon, one more before I let you go. And we all know the PGA Tour and the game of golf is much better with Tiger Woods in it. He's done so much to bring people you know, eyes and viewership, money into the game. But but I got to be honest with you, Damon. I'm having a hard time finding sympathy for Tiger. I've got empathy for him and his family, but I'm having a hard time feeling bad for Tiger after, you know, another incident in a car. He was very lucky so far not to have killed somebody in either one of his car incidents, his most one being, you know, his last one being so much worse than the last go-round. And I certainly want him to recover. I want him to have a normal life, be able to spend time with his kids. And, I, you know, I wish him nothing but good, you know, good things. But it, it's not like he was Ben Hogan and got hit, you know, head on by a bus. All of his sort of off the course issues have been 100% self-inflicted. And I'm struggling with that. Um, it's alarming to me if, if, you know, some of the rumors we hear that maybe he fell asleep at the wheel this time, which caused him, you know, to not make that turn in the, in the accident to happen. Those sorts of things. It's really starting to feel like to me and, and, um, you kind of look at someone like like Elvis Presley or, or or Michael Jackson, guys that needed 
you know, drugs to fall asleep and drugs to wake up. And that's kind of where I feel like Tiger could be headed. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are, are sadness for this aspect. Sadness for someone who's been a superstar, who's been so good for the game, who walked onto our television screens and, and burst on to the screens and into our lives and, and captivated us and, and made us want to play and work a little harder and look different than the golfers that we saw from week to week and has absolutely lit a fire into the game from an economic standpoint, interest standpoint from around the world, and who gave us great joy in 2019, who came back from a scandal of his own making, no question about that, uh, and, and really put his game and his life back. I do think when I look at Tiger, and I've often wondered why he doesn't have someone to just drive him around everywhere for, right? for the sake of his family, let alone for golf, uh, my feeling is more sadness. Sadness that is, is this the way a great champion and one of the two greatest golfers to ever do it is, is going to leave the game. Uh, I, I feel happy that he's at least alive. I know that that car accident could have ended with him being killed or someone on that seat being killed. I, I, I feel gratitude that he's able to hug his kids and they're able to hug him. And I feel sad that for someone who still wanted to play golf and who was finding joy, Chris, in playing with his son. And now he right. has to figure out how to walk again. That greatest status is that this man who has given us a lot of great joy can't find a way to keep his life simple enough where he can just play golf with his son and entertain us on the golf course when he wants. So to me, my overwhelming feeling is just status that this man has given so much to us in terms of reasons to watch and appreciate this great game and appreciate his genius hasn't been able to figure it out enough outside the rope to live the, the, the life that he wants to and that we would all want for not just him but for any human being. Damon, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can continue to follow you, watch you on on uh, on the Golf Channel and then stay up to date with all the great things you're doing over social media as well. I appreciate that so much, Chris. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at DamonHackGC. I'm also available on Golf Today five days a week, most typically Wednesdays through Sunday with my new partner, Jane Bacon, on Golf Channel. And thankful to be a part of this wonderful game, the highs and lows, and the, the wonderful stories and the sad stories. And thankful for, for great people like you, Chris, who continue to to shed light on, on so much that is, is positive and good uh, in our wonderful game that we that we get to celebrate every day. Well, I appreciate you very much, Damon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Give my love to TP when you guys get together, and I hope uh, we get the privilege of having you back on the show again soon. You let me know, Chris, and I'll be there. I, I so appreciate that, my friend. All right, Damon. Thank you so much. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. And to you. See you, Damon. That's a great Damon Hack. Damon Hack GC for a golf channel, obviously, is how you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter. And folks, I highly recommend his Instagram page. Uh, a lot of great, a lot of great shots, particularly that one of Damon in his uh, shorts and sandals that, you know, uh, he was going to be broadcasting during uh, the pandemic from home. Uh, a wonderful man, a, a great father and uh, someone that uh, you, you talk about shining a light of optimism on the world. Boy, that, uh, that list of people that do that starts with Damon Hack. Look forward to catching up with him again real soon. 
Uh, before I get to my next guest, Nancy Corsolino, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin for a course that has them near you. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now joining me here on Next on the T is one of the most decorated instructors in our game, and that's Nancy Corsolino. Let me uh, give you some background on Nancy. She played her college golf at Western Kentucky University, where she became a member of the school's first women's golf team. After she graduated, she moved over to Florida State University, where she earned her Master of Science degree. A few years ago, she was inducted into their Hall of, uh, Hall of Distinguished Alumni. That's at Western Kentucky. In 1986, she was elected as the first female Class A PGA professional in the state of Tennessee. And last year, she was the recipient of the Tennessee PGA Distinguished Career Award. 2019, she was awarded the LPGA L. Griffin Rolex Award for her contributions to teaching the game. She's a three-time Tennessee PGA Teacher of the Year. She's annually one of Golf Magazine's Top 100 Teachers. She was the 2000 LPGA National Teacher of the Year. She's a member of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Hall of Fame. And I'll tell you, folks, I am so honored that she is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nancy, thanks for coming on the show. Chris, this is exciting to be here. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you. When I have a first-time guest on the show, I always like to kind of go back to your beginnings in the game. And, And I read that you got involved very early thanks to your parents. Talk about how they introduced you to the game. Well, you know, uh, my dad was a two-handicap golfer. My mother was a ten-handicap golfer. And, you know, we didn't have babysitters back then. So whenever they went out to the golf course, I either had to go with them out on the golf course or I was left alone at the pool with the lifeguard, (laughs) and then they'd come get me at the end. But I grew up on a nine-hole golf course in Clinton, Missouri, on sand green wow yeah how about that (laughs) how'd you develop a putting stroke on sand green it's amazing what it is they oil down this this green it's all sand they oil it down it it's a it's soft in some places and hard they take a roller and they roll out a a line that you're going to put on and that roll has grain you know, either against the grain or with the grain. And there's a, a string on the a flag stick. And wherever you landed the ball on the green, you took that string and you grabbed hold of your golf ball and you ran it over to the, to the, uh, the line that they had developed for that day. Uh, and so I, my dad actually built the first two grass greens on that little nine hole golf course. So he wow. actually was an engineer that built those greens. So uh, that golf course is no longer there. But uh, nonetheless, my parents were avid golfers. My dad played uh, 
every Saturday, Sunday. He played every New Year's Day, no matter what the temperature was. Uh, and wow. So, and, and, you know, we didn't go to the range and golf balls. We went and played. And, uh, and they taught me how to play the game, which was really fun. So that's how I got started. And Nancy, fast forward a few years and you're at Western Kentucky University. And I believe it was during your sophomore year, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you actually helped create the women's golf program. How did, how did you get the school to get going in women's golf? Well, I mean, it really was, they actually, the, the tennis coach came to me. They saw me hitting. I was in physical education and they saw me playing field hockey. And they said, hey, we're trying to get a team together. Do you want to be on the team? And I said, sure. So they saw me play field hockey and knew that my follow-through was not short <laughs> like a field hockey player. So <laughs> I got sick called on me all the time, that club coming up too far. But actually, uh, they just started on my sophomore year. They were just starting to put a team together. Uh, they had one earlier way before I got there to Western Kentucky, but it was just a, a couple of people, uh, and it, and they just played a couple of events. So this one was really the first time that they actually got a full team that actually played. So I was on that one and played for those three years. And then after graduation, you head over to Florida State for grad school. Why Florida State? Again, I wanted to uh, increase my education, and I wanted to get to a school uh, that was a, a different than Western Kentucky University. I, I grew up close to WKU and Bowling Green, and I wanted to get away, and I wanted to find a different place. And, and I had three options. I was either going to go to Arizona, uh, University of Florida, or Florida State. And uh, so when I got, when I was walking through the campuses and walking through everything and and I saw where the golf course, the, the Seminole golf course that was there at Florida State. And I saw that. And I saw how I, I, I love football. I, I've always loved football. And, and I saw how big football was at that time. Uh, I just fell in love with Florida State. So I spent two years there. And actually, I had to go to work. I had to get uh, the out-of-state tuition crazy for somebody to pay and my dad had died when I was 19 years old uh, so uh, you know I really had to step up and fund my way through college and so I did some bartending I did some waitressing and, and I went to the university and I said what else can I do and they said hey uh, we need somebody that's going to, uh, to <laughs> you ready I washed all the practice and the play uniforms for every sport at Florida State University. Wow. So that was my job. And because of that, I got in-state tuition. So uh, I would get up in the morning, be the before classes start, I would go do the laundry for the team. And uh, then I also went to uh, school and then I went to work at the golf course. Uh, to make a little extra money. And then I also sold uh, all the programs for the football games. So I had little odd jobs and, and did all that. I got to 
that's where I gained a little bit of weight there because I got to eat in the training room. So the football uh, <laughs> at, at the at the stadium, I got to eat breakfast and lunch, uh, and was able to do that. And that's where I and Bobby Bowden actually gave me Coach Bowden actually gave me that job and said, "If you can do this, we'd love to have you." And that's how I paid my way through school. So it, it was hard work and it was dedication. And I got to put those little tomahawks on the sides of the helmets. It was awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, That's cool. You know, he, he just made things, uh, you know, the, the, the work ethic that he had going into it. Uh, I knew I had to work hard for that team as well and for Florida State. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm always go Knowles and go Big Red because, uh, that's where I grew up. So it was awesome. Nancy, you mentioned Bobby Bowden, but talk about the impact that he had on you while you were there and the, the influence that, uh, that he had on you and, uh, you know, how much he meant to you. Well, you know, at that time, you didn't really know what, uh, what he was about, but let me, let me just tell you a few of the things. He would come in every morning and he would, he wouldn't have me go to the training table. He would bring something to me while I was doing the laundry. He would bring food to me. He would bring fruit. He would he would do that. He would step in and ask how I was doing. And then I watched him how he uh how he dealt with all the players and cuz I was right there. I was able to see the players and I was able to see their relationship and how he uh contacted them and how they made how he made them feel. We were all a family. And you just don't get that with a lot uh, of coaches and a lot of players. But that's what uh, uh, Coach Bowden did for me is that he truly cared. He always asked how you were. He always wanted to make sure you were okay. And uh, then he would he would work as hard, if not harder, than anybody on that team and anybody on that staff. And I think that's where I get my work ethic from is just knowing that um, I grew up with some of the best coaches there at Florida State, and I got to see them firsthand in baseball and basketball and football and, and golf and, and all of it. I got to be around some of the best at that time and truly enjoyed it. And we had, we had, uh, you know, Colleen Walker was on Florida State's team. She, she went on as an LPGA pro, uh, Lisa, uh, Walters. And she was an LPGA tour pro. So we had several people that I was able to be in contact with on the golf team. I actually, uh, also went as an assistant golf, per, uh, golf coach for the women's golf team there. I went to the, went to them and said, Hey, can I help? And I actually started as an assistant coach and then went into the interim stage when they were between coaches. And so I got to be with those girls and help recruit some of the best college golfers in the country. And I got to be around and I got to start my coaching career there. I didn't finish it there. And I, I ended up only being an interim coach until they could put somebody in as I needed to go back home. My mother had some illness and I needed to go back to Kentucky. So uh, I couldn't stay in afterwards and be the head pro or the head coach 
at Florida State like I wanted. I needed to go back home with the family and do that, and uh, that's what I did. So, uh, but the stint at Florida State, something I'll never forget, ever. Nancy, I want to switch gears a little bit, and you talk about great coaches, and you are certainly one of them. You teach people at all levels, beginners, the players out on tour, and, and I want to get your perspective, because I would think it's harder to teach average golfers like me, because we're all over the place. We're hitting the ball all over the place, trying to kind of corral us and get us to hit the ball straight and, and that sort of thing, I would think would be hard. But by the same token, as I think about tour players, you're just sort of tweaking and refining things a little bit. And to make a swing change for a tour player, I imagine it takes thousands of golf swings just to kind of get that right. I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective. Easier to teach uh, average golfers or pro players? Well, I will say this, that, you know, I had a, I had a beginner on my lesson tee today, okay? And that, that lady had, well, not a beginner, but some raw talent, okay? Absolutely raw talent. And to be able to figure out how I'm going to be able to give them 20 more yards or be able to hit an iron solid off the ground, uh, you have to really figure out somebody that's new to the game, how they're going to best do that. And it's difficult to, it's really hard for me to think that, you know, we as professionals in this, in this industry that we're going to put our assistants out there teaching the new golfers. And you really need your best teachers teaching these new golfers how to do it because uh, you need them to end up liking the game and they want to, they want to do well. And so then I switch over to uh, Lori Rinker on the on the uh, Legends Tour, and, and she was, you know, she's struggling with one shot, with how, why this one shot does. And I'm going, and this this is not the same Lori Rinker that played on the LPGA Tour. She's 30 pounds lighter. Uh, the you know she's changing. She's not doing this full time anymore. So it's really difficult to put somebody on the tour level to try to give them something that they can feel or something that they're familiar with. But then all of a sudden you may have to make a, a big change. And then all of a sudden you make a big change from one coach to another. And all of a sudden it's different philosophies, it's different fields. And, and you got to click. How's that going to work? And so you, when you're working with a tour player, you got to get it right. And you got to get it right quick. And you got to be, uh, you got to know your stuff and you got to be able to relay it to them in a way that, that they're going to understand it, that they're going to be able to feel it. Because when you teach a beginner, they just look at you like you're, Hey, you're the, you're, you're it. You know everything and I'm going to do everything you say. And the tour player is going to have somebody else in the back of their head. They're always going to have somebody else in the back of their head thinking, and you've got to be able to be right and be right pretty quickly. And uh, otherwise, they're just get, you know they're going to struggle, and that and their game relies on you know making a million dollars on the you know it's a Honda Classic this last week, and or being on the LPGA Tour and making money, and, and you've got to be really really good at both, but it's Totally, totally different teaching one segment of the new golfer to a tour player. Uh, 
I have the same stuff in my head. I know what we're looking at. I got to give it to them in, in, in a way that they can feel it and they can understand it. Nancy, I want to talk equipment with you because one of our new partners this year on the show is Vexio and you've been working with them for quite a while. Talk about the brand and why you decided to partner with them. Well, you know, I was, I've been with, uh, I've over all my years, uh, you know, I've been, um, uh, Tillerk and Bradsey, H&B at, at Kentucky. I've been on Wilson staff. I've been on Ping. I, I, I've been on Ping for a long, long time. And, and what, uh, what I did was I wanted to get with a company that I did the equipment and I knew that the equipment was going to be good for whoever I was going to put it in. But I club fit many different clubs into different people's hands, not just Zexio. But, uh, at me, at my age, uh, as I was, as I get older, what I needed was I needed the ball to get higher and I needed the ball, uh, the clubs I may have gotten too, too stiff a shaft or too heavy a shaft and the ball just did not launch. And so all of a sudden I was rolling ball across the green, not stopping the ball across the green. And and so, you know, I'm I'm big on making sure that we're gonna have great clubs to put in somebody's hands. And so the the brand, the Zexio brand just fit me. And it fit a lot of my customers that I teach. I'm down here at Port St. Lucie teaching at PGA Golf Club uh in the winter, I do that. I leave Sunday and go back to Nashville, Tennessee, where I go back to Gaylord Springs. And, and so here I am, uh, teaching these people. I just went to dinner with two women that I fit into the Zexio brand club because they're older and they wanted to be able to hit the ball higher and farther. And so because of that club, I'm getting people that are great players that are that are wanting to do the same thing. They want to hit the ball high. They want to stop it on the green. And and the clubs are so, so good for different, many different levels of players that that I was floored at uh, seeing how good these clubs were. So I plan personally, I can't wait to, uh, I got fit just a couple weeks ago with some of the newer clubs, and I can't wait for those to come in whenever they do come in. and. And uh, I really can't wait. I've been playing some of the – I actually, first time that I got fit with the Zexio Club last year, the first time that I went out and played, I shot six under par. And I hadn't shot under wow. par in over 25 years. 25 years. I'm going, wow. And, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting these clubs. First time I went out and played with them, I was six under par. So, you know, you just – when you when you get a club that you can when you look at it and you know you're going to be able to hit it and that's the uh, that's what uh, sold me on the clubs and that's what honestly I put those clubs into a lot of people's hands not always do they fit for that person but they're I tell you they're really good for a lot of different levels of golfers. Nancy, one more before I let you go, and I got to get a playing lesson from you and you talk about hitting the ball on the green and getting it to stop. You've got some wonderful playing lessons if uh, people Google your name or search for you on YouTube, particularly about pitch shots. And for those of us that try to help the ball up into the air, maybe we scoop at it or or we're thinning it way across the green. 
How can we do a better job of hitting that shot closer to the hole? Well, I think the very first thing that you have to realize is that your pitch shot, the the level that you're setting the club at, whatever that lie is, whatever that loft is, let's say it's 52 degrees, okay, and you're hitting a pitch shot with a 52, 56, 60, whatever it is, whatever that loft is, you want to return that loft back to the same lofted impact. So many of the problems that people have is they they move their hands forward, they put the leading edge into the ground, then the leading edge gets stuck into the ground and, and they can't and they're trying to get the ball airborne. So the first thing I do is tell them not to lean their hands forward. They can lean their weight forward, but don't lean the hands forward. And you want to return that club. You want to release the club back to the original loft. And people say, well, that flips the club or that, that, well, okay. So it does because what you want is you want that loft to come back to what it was to put the spin on the ball. So you want the ball to hit the grooves. You want the loft to be, if it's 56 at setup, you want it 56 at impact. That's what's going to give you the best spin coming into the ball. And don't forget that you need to have fast green, dry green, short grass, dry grass to be able to spin that ball. You get in the rough, you're not going to spin it. You're not going to spin it. You get gra- uh, grass or water between the face and the ball. It's not going to spin. So you have to have a lot of good conditions to really stop the ball on the green. But release the club back to its regular loss. Nancy, before I let you go, let our listeners know, you mentioned that you're going to be heading back to Nashville. Talk about your golf school and then how we can all stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online and on social media. Absolutely. My website is Q, like my last name, QSOG.com. My social media is with Twitter is at Q School. I've always had uh, Q School as part of my school from a long time ago. Porcelino School of Golf. I kind of said Q School. That that was neat. I'm on Facebook with the Nancy Porcelino School of Golf. I'm at Gaylord Springs Golf Links, home of the Gaylord Opryland family, and uh, we teach there all year long there at Gaylord, and then during the winter, I come down here to PGA, but you can look at me on YouTube under my name, Nancy Corsolino, Nancy Corsolino School of Golf, at Q School, a lot of good places on social media, uh, Instagram, same thing, Nancy Corsolino, okay? Well, Nancy, I can't thank you enough for coming and being a part of the show tonight. You're a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I would love to be here with you. Chris, this was totally fun. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for having me on for my first time. You made it awesome. And I do appreciate <laughs> you having me. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Nancy. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Nancy. That's Nancy Corsolino. Q-U-A-R-C-E-L-I-N-O is the spelling of her last name at School. On Twitter and QSOG.com is her website. She's a lot of fun. And I, and you, I tell you folks, be sure to go online, Google her name or go on YouTube and Google her name. She's got a lot of really great teaching videos available for you there as well. So hopefully we get the uh, opportunity to have her come back on the show again soon. 
All right, before I get to my next guest, Bob Winskowitz, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our new sponsors, starting with Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor, Bionic Gloves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. By right, now joining me is Bob Winskowitz. Bob is the founder of Squares Golf. If you look back in his career to the mid-90s, Bob was a regional sales manager for McGregor Golf and then senior vice president of sales and marketing for the Arnold Palmer Golf Company. Started Squares a little over three years ago, and like I said last week here on the show, we partner with the best brands in golf just to be able to make sure that we are bringing you the best that there is. You know, brands that I personally believe in. That's why we work with TaylorMade, Golf Pride, the PGA Tour Superstore, Zexio, Sun Mountain, the McLemore, and Two Under. All of them are partners and the best in their business. We needed to kind of round it out for the best golf shoe on the market, and I've tested them all, folks. I asked Bob to send me a pair of square shoes, which he uh, graciously did. And there's just no comparison to how much better they are to every other shoe on the market. That's how we became partners, not because he approached me, but because I believe in his shoes. I want to talk more about that, but let's go ahead and bring Bob into the show. Bob, thanks for joining me tonight. Chris, thanks for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Bob, like I was saying, you and I, we started talking back in October, and and I tried the Squares golf shoes, and then I called you up, and and I started with, Bob, i got to be honest with you. And I think it cringed a little bit, not sure what I was about to say. And then I said, these are the best golf shoes I've ever worn. Not only are they comfortable, but the stability I get in my golf swing, it allows me to swing a little faster, get a little more distance. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So, Bob, we got to start with, you know, where did all of this come from? I mean, I know golf shoes were a part of the brand offering that you that you had when you worked for Mr. Palmer and his golf company. Was that where the idea for a better shoe came from, or did it start somewhere else? You know, one of the things, Chris, that uh, when I worked for Arnold Palmer, uh, I used to sit in board meetings with him, and we would present uh, products to him. I was the senior VP of sales and marketing, and I would, I'd present products to him, and his famous line to me would, he'd lean back, hold his arms, and go, what's in it for the golfer? Tell me. If you can't tell me that in, in, in less than 30 seconds, then, then you guys got to go back to the drawing board. And and that stuck with me for a long time. 
And what I started to watch was, was happening in golf footwear, this transition to this sneaker-like shoe. Um, somebody who was a, a student of ground force and really studied the swing, I said, geez, you know, it's not the right thing for golf. And, uh, you know, I went to the drawing board with a couple of uh, people I knew that were footwear designers, and I said, look, I'd like to uh, I'd like to do something that hasn't been done in golf footwear. I'd like to break the mold. Literally and figuratively. And I said, you know, golf footwear has not kept pace with the advancements in golf clubs. And somebody like yourself who's been around the game knows that uh, golf clubs and golf balls really uh, have got to the point in advancement that the USGA has, has, has really, you know, entered into this whole conversation and limited the spring effect on drivers, the distance of drivers, the distance of golf balls, the carry and roll. And and I and I, and it was because manufacturers progressed technology, but in golf footwear, I don't think there's anybody that could mention anything that they've put on golf shoes that have actually helped people play better golf. Yet in golf clubs, they've expanded the sweet spot so off-center hits and golf balls, the spins, uh, um, you know, the dimple patterns. But in golf footwear, there's been nothing. There's been really nothing that has helped the golfer play better golf. And that was my mission, to develop golf footwear that you can point to, you know, areas of this shoe and uh, and, and have the science say that, look, this is actually going to help you play better golf. So that was really the foundation of the mission. And, Bob, let's, let's take a couple of those things and, and get into more detail. But talk about the trend with golf shoes to kind of make them, as you, you talk about, like sneakers. You know, lighter weight, lighter materials, but for golf shoes, lighter isn't necessarily better, is it? It isn't. You know, Chris, if, if lightweight means lack of structure. So lack of structure in a golf, in a golf shoe is not good for your swing. You talk to anybody who's a biomechanic guy, he'll tell you that in the golf swing, the thing that you need to do is eliminate inefficiency. It's one thing to be very proficient in the swing and very efficient in the swing like the top-level pros. But for us guys, uh, us average guys, to eliminate the inefficiencies. So when you, when, when you consider that, uh, one of the things is, is, this, is the structure of a golf shoe. And I'll give you a couple of examples. In golf footwear making, if you can hold a shoe by the toe and the heel and twist it, get rid of it, throw it away. It's not doing you any favors. And what we're seeing is that one of the problems is that when you take the club back and you transfer the weight to your trill foot, when you look at a lightweight shoe, if you were to hold it by the top of the shoe and squeeze it downwards, you're going to see how much it hangs over the side of the shoe. And when you look at how much it hangs over the side of the shoe, that means as you take it back, if you're a righty, your right foot, your trill foot, that means there's an amount of Space that your foot can fly to the right, encouraging you to supernate. And when you supernate, which is get out, get out in the outside of your right foot, you're dead. If you can hit a good shot at that point, it's an aberration. So I ask people all the time. I, I say, what's more important in the golf swing, the club or your shoe? And everybody wants to answer the club. And of course, you need a club to play the game. But there are two connections in the game. Your hands to the club and your feet to the ground. And I will tell you unequivocally that your shoes are more important than the club. 
The club is merely a conduit to take the energy that you create and transfer it to the ball. So I ask people, where does distance come from? And distance comes from swing speed. Now, where does swing speed come from? Swing speed cannot be created by a club or a ball. It comes from you. You create that through a series of forces. Those forces could be lateral, vertical, or a horizontal force, which is as you take the club down, you're creating energy, and that energy is thrown into the ground, and it goes into the ground, back up through your feet, through your body, through the club, and into the ball. So the ball and the club are recipients of energy, and that all is facilitated by your feet, by your connection to the ground. It allows you to exchange energy. And if you've got a lightweight shoe that your foot's moving in, it's a loss of energy. If you don't have the balance and stability, that means you're swaying. If you're swaying, it's a loss of energy. It's a loss of accuracy. So I try to tell people, take a step back and think about your feet. And I tell this all the time to people. I said, what about hip rotation and shoulder rotation? Would you be surprised if I tell you it's facilitated by the feet? And people are like scratching their head and saying, no, there's no way. Taking a shot, and you put all the weight you possibly can on your trail foot toe, say in your right toe, put up and try to turn your hip back. You can't do it. But if you take all of the weight and put it on the inside of your right heel, you can turn your hip easily. Now, that just tells you that your feet and the freedom of your foot facilitate hip rotation, shoulder rotation, and all of that, when you start doing a checklist, all of that equals swing speed, which equals distance. So when people say, how in the heck can a golf shoe help me increase my distance and swing speed? Well, that's it, because it's your ground, ground connection, which is we call it technically it's ground reaction force. And ground reaction force, in the simplest of terms, is body mass, gravity, and the ground. Body mass, gravity, and the ground. And the ground in your body and the gravity pulls it all together. It creates an energy exchange and that creates swing speed. So a, a couple of things there, Bob. Let's stick with the swing speed piece because you make a lot of bold statements and you just talked about, well, how can a golf shoe create more distance? Well, swing speed, ball speed, distance. Those are all things that we get increased by wearing your golf shoe. But talk about why. What's in the construction of the golf shoe that allows us to get all of those things, which then lead to more distance? Great question. So first and foremost is we started the design of this with a more squared toe, and that allows the toes to sit naturally in the shoe. That facilitates proper range of motion of the of the feet. And to explain that, or to give you an example, you know, your hand and your feet operate very similar. And if you take your hand and put it straight out, and you move it up and down with your wrist, it's very easy. But if you take your hand and squeeze your fingers together as hard as you can and then try to move your hand up and down, you feel the tension on your wrist. And that's what happens in your feet. So you want to eliminate that so your feet and your, your, in, in your, your, feet and your ankles, let's take all the talus bone in your ankles, can flow freely. And that means your hips and your shoulders can move. So first and foremost, it provides full range of motion for the feet and allows it to operate uh, properly. That's number one. Number two is because we started with a more squared up toe, we could increase the base under the ball of your foot more than any other golf by four millimeters, and it doesn't look it. And the reason it doesn't look 
doesn't look it is because of square toe and it will look symmetrical going backwards. Because of that, you, you instantly and scientifically get better balance, better stability. Now, what that also represents is more surface contact area under the feet. So the, the base under your feet and the whole contact surface of the shoe is, is more than any other golf shoe. So that means better energy exchange, better balance, better stability. And, and what they call it in the golf swing is called a trait. And as you take the club back, if your body moves in the sway, it's a long trace line. And what you want to do is minimize that trace line and keep it very short. That means you're not swaying. That means there's energy put into the shot. And because you've got this balance and stability, it provides a less of a trace, but it also, what we're seeing, is a better exchange from the lateral side, from the, uh, from the, the, the trail side, rather, to the lead. And, and what does that mean? Well, is that all the guys that hit the ball and ladies that can hit the ball a long way, one common element is getting from the, getting the force, the vertical force from the right foot or the trail side to the lead foot quickly. So if you take it back and you get quick. Now, when people say you get quick, it's quick when you take it back. That's, that's not a good thing. But when you get to the top, you break. And these shoes provide great breaking mechanisms because of the wide base. So you get it back, you break, and you come through again, and as you're coming down and you hit the ball, you break again. And think of it like snapping a towel. Is that if you have a better break, better breaking means more distance. And because of the wide base, it provides you more more breaking ability, more contact area with the ground, which means a more efficient energy exchange, better balance, better stability. And all of these things added together means more distance and swing speed. Bob, one of the things I think we also got to get a shift in our mindset is golf shoes are sometimes a fashion statement as opposed to part of our golf equipment. I mean, I think we got to change our mindset from it being fashion statements and an accessory to part of our golf equipment. Talk about that. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, back when Big Bertha launched the Ping Zing Irons or even the Cobra Ions, when they did an oversized iron, people looked at them, scratched their head, and said, what the heck are these? You know, I mean, you know, they broke the mold of traditional look products. Why? Because they they created what I call visual technology, that there was something radically different and something visible, visual, that you could see a difference in. And, you know, it's one thing that somebody likes tradition, wants a traditional look of a golf shoe, but what I say to people all the time is that, look, this, I believe our shoe is a good looking, good looking shoe, but it breaks the mold. And, you know, it's the old saying, the pioneer gets the arrow, but, uh, you know, you've got to break the mold on occasion and point out to people, this is not a gimmick. This isn't, uh, this isn't something we're just trying to say, hey, we look different, so, uh, it's going to play. No, this was the design of the shoe was really, uh, was really facilitated by the science of, of the toast and naturally building out the wider base. And what I say to people all the time is, look, if you want to play the game and enjoy it, uh, and you're going out and buying a $500 driver, a new putter for $300, and, you know, take, take a step back and, and think about the game. Think about how you play it. And everybody says, all these good instructors, is that, the game is built from the ground up. 
You know, you hear all the time from the corporals using the ground, using the ground. But, you know, there's more to it. Distance, balance, you know, stability, accuracy, rotation. It all is to the ground. And, you know, I had a very interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago with Jim McClain, who is now with the official golf shoe of Jim McClain Academy, uh, one of the iconic, uh, you know, instructors out there. And, uh, you know, uh, he told me, because Bob, look, it's about time somebody looked at a golf shoe as a piece of equipment, you know, because it does facilitate the key fundamentals. And, and a lot of these instructors today, when they come in with these lightweight sneakers uh, and, and, and people are giving lessons, they say, listen, do me a favor. Next time you come back, don't be wearing those. You know, you need a golf shoe. So you can you can build in technology. You can build in science. And uh, I can make them look good. Uh, but I will tell you this, that even though I make them look good, they're going to look different than a rounded toe shoe. And, Bob, much like me, Sir Nick Faldo actually found you. You didn't, you didn't come looking for me, and you didn't come looking for Nick Faldo. Talk about how and why he came looking for you. Yeah, that was a godsend, to be honest with you. It, uh, it was one of the highlights as I went through this process is that, uh, yeah, I, I got a call one day from Sir Nick. Uh, agent, and uh, he identified him as, as himself as his agent. Said, "Hey, so Nick would like to get a couple of pairs." And you know, I uh, I thought it could have been a couple of friends of mine just breaking my chops, but uh, it was for real. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, you know, he he. Uh, what happened was he said his show Faldo Formula, and Faldo Formula is about the mind, the body, and the swing, and that's on CBS Sports Network, and. Uh, and so he was doing these balancing exercises because he's a firm believer that balance is a critical element of the golf swing. And he says the same as line is you can't find balance during the swing. So, so he was doing these exercises and he felt in his therapy and he felt as though he couldn't balance so well. So he went and he put a tennis shoe on and he, and he, he, he decided that he could balance a little better. So it just led him down a path and said, you know, what's the most stable golf shoe in the market? And he typed that into Google, and thank God for search engine optimization because uh, he came up with squares. And we sent him a couple of pairs, and about a month later, I got a call asking for a Zoom. And I got on with Sir Nick, and he asked me to tell the story. I did. He leaned back in his chair, and he said, Bob, I've got to tell you, these are the best golf shoes I've ever worn. I've worn pretty much every golf shoe ever invented, and, and you guys nailed it. He said, I am getting more distance. I feel more balanced, more stable. At my age, I'm looking for a little more distance. I feel like I'm striking it. And uh, how do I get involved? And, uh, you know, listen, I've been around the game as you have a long time, and it's very rare, you know, an iconic guy like uh, Sir Nick with six majors and over 40 wins calls you and says, hey, how do I get involved? Usually it's the other way around. So, you know, that was a great testament. And, in fact, uh, I had a very similar story with John Daly, who's now wearing our shoes and playing with them, uh, pretty much the same thing. So uh, I'm very proud to have somebody like uh, Ernest Faldo and John Daly uh, wearing these shoes. And, Bob, let's not uh, sell the shoes short, because the style of the shoe is fantastic, in my opinion. you got a couple of new ones that are out there. I love the new America's soul that you've got i love even more the augusta limited edition those things are fantastic talk about the style of the shoes that you do offer yeah so so we've had you know the shoes we launched last year um you know they're going to continue to be in the line 
and we took a look at it. We tried to uh, do some really fun and cool stuff, and, and Sir Nick's idea was to really do some commemorative shoe to uh, to celebrate his three wins at Augusta. And also, uh, I'll be, you'll be the first show to mention this, is we're doing a, a British Open, an open shoe for him because he won the British Open uh, three times. So we'll be launching a commemorative shoe with him and, and uh, Sir Nick, myself, and our designers work together on the design of this shoe. So uh, we're very proud of that. And then the uh, what we call America's Soul is something we did with um, – in partnership with John Daly and his foundation, uh, JDME. And what that is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's part of a lion, which is a, a foundation to contribute to, to wounded warriors, veterans, gold star families, first responders, and St. Jude's Hospital. So we are launching this too. It's called America's Soul, and it's got USA on the bottom, the stars, the stripes, and a camo pattern to, to honor our veterans. And a portion of the sales of that shoe will go to his charity to uh, to serve the needs of uh, our veterans and wounded warriors. So we're very proud of that, excited for that. And then we did a we did a, a, a country country it's called Country Soul, and it's it's really where I say where country music, which uh, kind of the heart of America, country music and golf come together. And we partnered up with uh, 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 country music legend. Uh, Colt Ford, and uh, who's also played on the PGA Tour and recently has played on the Senior Tour, uh, we partnered up with him really to, to design a shoe that's really, really cool that brings together country music and golf, and it's got these uh, guitars on the side of them, these musical symbols, and and it really looks great. And uh, what we're trying to do is have a little fun with the design to uh, to also to coordinate the the fun with the design golf. And, and these charities. So again, on the country soul, we'll be doing a donation of pushing the sales to charity as well. So, uh, so we're very excited about that. And, and with Colt Ford out there in the country music scene, as I'm sure you know, there's a, uh, there's a lot of guys out there like Toby Keith, Jake Owen, uh, Lee Bryce, Mitchell Tenfenny. They're all big golfers, love golf. And there's, uh, uh, the guys that I just mentioned are already wearing our shoes. Bob, uh, just a couple of more before I let you go. And talk about the subtleties in the shoe, things like the, the stay-put laces that help keep them tight throughout the round so either our feet don't move around or we're not uh, forced to retire our shoes a bunch of times during the round. And also your Spike for Life program. Yeah, and, and those are the subtleties that I think the average golfer really appreciates, which is when people talk about waterproof, I Again, I get very passionate about this, is that, you know, if, if you get a waterproof shoe and you're going to step in a puddle of water, if you notice in the tongue, if it gets up above on the tongue area, it gets in your feet, and same with sand. If you're in a sand trap, it gets on the top of the tongue. So we spent the extra money and did what they call a gusseted tongue, which is show the tongue all the way up and down. So now that shoe was waterproof all the way up to the top island. You can literally put your foot in water about the top of the shoe, and you're not going to get water in the shoe. And that was very important to a lot of golfers is 100% waterproof. The other thing with the laces, a lot of people were not a big fan of the boa. You know, if it breaks on the course, you know, where are you at? And, you know, the technology, I will give them credit, they have progressed the technology in the boa system. But the previous system was pulling the shoe together in the wrong way. Um, and, and I felt as though we needed a lacing technology to eliminate that, uh, 
that inconvenience of having to bend over and tie a shoe five times around. So what we did is we printed silicone on the top of the lace. And so when you pull it through the eyelet and you get it to the desired level of comfortability, once you pull it through, uh, it stays high the shoe and you won't have to tie it again the rest of the round. That's why we call it stay put lace. So, you know, it, it, uh, there are some critical things in golf footwear making, uh, rules that you should abide by. One of which is that lacing technology, bringing the top portion down on the top of your foot so your foot's not moving in the shoe and keeping it there throughout the round. Because if your foot's moving in the shoe, again, another inefficiency, loss of energy. So we looked at all of these things. And, you know, the other thing too, as you mentioned with our spikes for life is that once you, once you buy a pair of square shoes, you get three spikes for life. So if you, if, if your spikes start to wear down, we don't want you to worry about it. Go to the store and, uh, and buy these because we want you to play the best golf you can possibly play. So we said that when they start wearing down, as long as you own the shoes, we'll send you free spikes for life. All we ask you to do is pay the $6.99 shipping and handling and we pay the rest. We pay for the spikes. So, um, it's, it's just something we believe as a company that, uh, we want that shoe to be working for you 24 seven and, uh, you know, if you spikes on at the right level and they're worn down, uh, there could be some issues with traction and, and ground connection. And you also have square toe socks, right? We do. You know, that was one of the fun things we did is that one of the, uh, the gentleman that works with us was a podiatrist said, look, you wear a rounded toe shoe, uh, rounded toe sock with a square toe shoe that why don't you provide that, that constant thought press of, of, of allowing the toes to sit naturally? So yes, we built, uh, we built a square toe, uh, socks of the toes naturally. But the other thing we did is we did a lot of research and, um, on, on socks and particularly running socks where they add a little extra compression under the ball of the foot and the heel just so you could absorb that energy. Then we looked at things like antimicrobial and, and, uh, you know, one thing I would caution the listeners, if you're wearing a cotton sock, please don't do it. Just, just don't do it because uh, it absorbs moisture, it can stick to the shoe, it builds up uh, bacteria. Look at a good sock that uh, such as squares, and when we built this again, we added extra compression uh, under the ball of your foot and your heel, so it'll feel a lot more comfortable. And we opened up the toe with the, the square toe, and you'll feel an incredible freedom. Well, Bob, it. It's great having you and Squares as a partner on the show now, and and I know you'll be joining me throughout the season, plus legends like uh, Terry Hashimoto, who's going to be a guest with me next month. But let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great products and the great things that you guys are doing with the brand, whether it's going on your website or following you guys on social media? Yes, uh, you you could go to our website, which is Squares, S Q A I R Z squares.com and follow us on Facebook and uh, Instagram on the squares and uh, same with Twitter at squares and uh, we're uh, we, we do specifically uh, direct to the consumer we have thin guys we have a customer service group that can fit you that can talk you through this process we have a 30-day money-back guarantee uh, in exchange process Get the shoes and not the right size, right size, and you've already worn them. We take them back, get them the right size. So uh, I, I, we're 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 a full service company that really believes in helping the golfers play uh, play better golf. 
Well, Bob, I can't thank you enough for coming and uh, being a part of the show and for your partnership this season. You're fantastic, my friend, and so are the shoes. I, uh, I hope you'll, uh, you know, continue to be a part of the show throughout the season. And then obviously, uh, a lot of the folks that are involved with squares will, will join me as well. But, uh, you're fantastic. And I thank you for, uh, sharing the story for how you built the best golf shoe in the, in the game. Chris, it's my pleasure. And I really appreciate what you do for the industry, getting it out, talking about exciting new topics and swing and, and, and getting, keeping golf, uh, keeping golf in the top of people's minds out there. So thank you what you do. It helps uh, people like me. So thanks. I appreciate that very much. Bob, take care. Stay safe, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Good night. See you, Bob. That's Bob Winskowitz. And, and folks, squares.com is the site. S-Q-A-I-R-Z, Squares Golf. And um, I wouldn't tell you if I didn't believe it. I wouldn't be uh, partnering with them if I didn't believe in the product. Uh, Bob sent me a pair of shoes. I tell you what, I laced them up. I went out on the range and, and the next thing you know, um, things are better. I can swing it faster. I've got more stability. And that square toe thing is, is no joke. I mean, you get, think about what that means, right? With a squared off toe, your feet can lay nice and flat in the shoe. It's not a, a tapered rounded edge that, uh, that kind of squishes your toes together. So of course it, it allows you to have a little more stability and, and with stability comes the ability to then swing it harder and then the ball goes further. So uh, uh, it's no joke, folks. Go online, squares.com. They are really doing a lot of really cool stuff and uh, we'll have some of their brand ambassadors on the show throughout the season. And then Bob will join me again. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again tonight to Damon Hack, Nancy Corsolino, and Bob Winskowitz for joining me. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, is going to be back, as will Champions Tour Pro John Cook. Really looking forward to catching up with John. And another one of the top instructors in our game, 2017 Georgia PGA Teacher of the Year, Kevin Roman. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podcast.co, and Radio.com as well. And folks, if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor and go online to PodcastMagazine.com and vote for their show and their Hot 50 list. When you're on their site, click on the Hot 50. You can see that right at the top. And then you get a drop-down list. And then click on Hot 50 Voting. And just type in the name of the show there, Next on the T, and my name, Chris Mascaro, as the host. I'd really appreciate your support. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make us part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.